Hey guys, this is D. Williams again with This Comics Life. On this exciting episode, I have my first ever interview with a real live stand-up comedian. Yep, it is with Eric Escobar, the world-renowned comedian extraordinaire. He sits down with me in his parents' garage in Gardena, and we talk all about comedy and movies and a whole lot more of other things of what we can and can't say on this fabulous show called Stand Up and it's great, and I, I really appreciate him coming down, and uh, th- and I definitely thank him. Um, I've known him from the very first open mic. He was actually the first guy that got me on stage, so I can't thank him enough, and he is definitely way better than me and has been doing it a lot longer than me, so uh, we'll get all into that. Uh, you'll definitely hear his uh, story as well as me just chiming in here and there. <laughs> it's definitely a good one, so guys, stick with it it's a little longer than my normal episodes but it is a good one and i'm gonna try to get even more uh, people in soon enough so stay tuned for a whole lot more and if you want to check out eric definitely hit him up on facebook twitter and instagram at eric escobar and you can also go to him and see a lot of uh, his youtube videos on eric escobar at uh, youtube so without further ado this is me and him talking in a garage Oh, and also, if you guys notice that the recording sounds a little wonky here and there, it's because, yes, we did have to uh, get a little intimate and uh, share a microphone. So uh, there is one microphone, so we're kind of handing it back and forth and kind of getting close. So definitely that's why it sounds a little weird from here and there. But don't worry, it's really good. All right, let's check it out. Guys, uh, I am here again, or not again. Uh, this is the first time ever. <laughs> the time traveling podcast of Daryl. Well, I, I will say uh, this isn't the first time uh, we've talked on the airwaves. Uh, this it's is true, but this is the first time you have been on this show, this comics life, and I am speaking with, of course, Eric Escobar. Yeah, we could put the applause uh, sound effect. <laughs> oh thing. yeah, we can definitely do that in post. Very right, cool, sounds good. Um, all the, the huge audience in my parents' garage in Gardena. Yes, we are of course uh, recording live in a garage in Gardena. Um, it is. It's my parents' garage. <laughs> we can be. Let's be honest with what it is. It's, it's not like you live in this garage. It's actually your parents' garage. This is nicer than my room, actually. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess we should uh, tell a little bit of history of uh, Eric's journey, or I I guess I'll just ask him a little bit of brief uh, synopsis of where he's been, where he's going, and, yeah, where he wants to be. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Uh, A little about me. Um, I'm a comic. uh, I'm a writer, actor, improviser. Um, I started, I guess, doing comedy comedy when I was in high school. Um, I did a lot of improv. I did improv in college. 
Um, and then from there, I took a stand-up class, I want to say my senior year of college. It was March 2012. Um, after that showcase from that class, I ended up getting a couple bar shows. Um, after those bar shows, you know, got a couple clubs, uh, you know, just little indie shows around town. Um, something I very love, or very much loved, something I was very passionate about. And uh, yeah, things just kind of kept going. A lot of hard work. Oh, I just burped. Um, sorry. Uh, some luck, definitely. Uh, put the mic away from the Yeah, I think I just, like, I put the mic closer during the burp. Um, in my parents' garage on a podcast. Professional, guys. My, my point is I'm a professional. Uh, point is I'm doing really, really well, as you can tell. Um, but, yeah, uh, and things just kind of started happening. And, um, you know. I'll- Let's say how long did it take, roughly, to really start going from one your first open mic to where you are now. Ooh, I definitely, okay. So I did my first open mic in March, 2008. Um, I had no idea what was going on. So I Googled comedy club, open mic, and it was the laugh factory. Um, I waited in line for six hours, uh, two minutes of material. Um, it had to be clean and all I had was two dirty jokes (laughs) and it was horrible. So that was 2008. Um, you still do those two jokes? Um, though that's my opener, my closer. Yes. Um, and then from there, um, I think I tried it again in 2010. Um, I just did like this variety open mic in my college. Uh, and then 2012, March, 2012 was the day when I was like, this is what I want to do. And I started doing a lot of mics from that. Um, started doing a lot of shows from that. Uh, I would say flash forward to about maybe two and a half years after that. Um, like I said, it, it was a lot of hard work, but it was also a lot of luck. I got very lucky. I met a lot of great people. Um, a lot of people granted me really, really wonderful opportunities when I was a, a starting comic. And then about, I would say two and a half years, three years in is when I, um, kind of went full time with it. Um, okay. So you went full time about maybe four and a half years from your first open mic. Oh, geez. from my first open mic. So 2008 to, I want to say like. 2014, yeah, about four and a half years, give or take. Wow, that's crazy. That's nuts. And and so when did you first decide, or when did you first, like, get your first, like, you know, solid five minutes, or where you you had a premise that just right off the bat just worked? So the thing that I really felt very fortunate about, um, in my experience, and everyone's experience is different, is um, I took a really, really great class. Um, the class was really great, and I think there are a lot of not great stand-up comedy classes out there, and on the other hand, I think there are a lot of great comedy classes out there. Do you want to plug it? Um, yeah, it was actually with Tom Clark, who is also my high school improv coach, and I <laughs> yeah. swear by his class. Um, take it. I think it's awesome. Uh, and not only was it was it great training and did I really kind of learn joke structure, all that good stuff, but within that, um, I think it was like a three, four, maybe even five-week class, um, you get five minutes out of there. So um, I think a lot of comics come into the open mic scene, they come into the comedy scene kind of just trying stuff out and testing it, and they're not really sure what hits. And it might take, you know, a few months or even a year or even a couple of years to finally get that five minutes where you feel good about it and confident about it. Um, not even a great five minutes, just a five minutes you feel confident with that you can do. Um, with this class that I did, I had, I think, six or seven right off the bat. So when I was developing new material, when I was trying out new jokes, I knew I had a cushion of about six minutes that I could start with or that I could, you know, shove the new stuff in between. And um, that, that's, that was something that was really valuable to me, to, to kind of start my journey 
with at least like a you know like a Charmander or a Squirtle. You know, it wasn't like Pokemon <laughs> Yellow where I was starting with a Pikachu and just trying to figure it out, going up against Brock with you know like a Weedle and a Kakuna. Like it was definitely a really someone's really been playing a lot of Pokemon Go lately. All the Pokemon Go. Um, yes. Have you been <laughs> Have you been noticing the bombardment of uh, Facebook posts of where these Pokemon are now? This is my thing. I don't know if it's like our people that are posting this a lot and on our <laughs> social media. It's just like, wow, all these Pokemon posts. This is crazy. Um, I don't know if it's that or if this is worldwide. Like, everyone's social media is embarked with Pokemon posts. Um, I'm going to go with I just have a lot of really nerdy friends. <laughs> who are this. Not a bad thing. Not a good thing. Just the thing, Roman Reigns. Yeah, I was going to say, like, next week, nobody's going to give a shit about Pokemon. Yeah, everybody, have you guys played Minecraft 3.4? I don't know. Whatever people play. You guys play Candy Crush still? Who's playing Candy Crush? Yeah, the one friend where you're like, oh, oh Words of friends? Hmm? <laughs> you guys want to play some MySpace? It's not even a game. But let's play it. Who's on who's top eight? Uh, give me the likes. You know, I bet that there's still a MySpace. Isn't there still MySpace for, like, bands? Isn't that still a thing? It is. Oh, I was so upset because I, probably, like, three or four months ago, um, there were some pictures that I wanted, and I'm like, I remember putting them on MySpace. Remember they were on MySpace, and I'm logging on MySpace, but, like, it's... It was you and Tom. Yeah, it was me and Tom hanging out. We're playing the game together. He just caught a Pidgey. Um, But it was really odd because it's, like, formatted for bands now. So, as a person, I'm like, I don't even know how to really... Maneuver through it. But it was also five minutes of just being like, ah, and I quit Pokemon Go. That was the whole reason why I was on MySpace was because there was that was just the way to listen to free music and music from everybody, you know, your brother or, you know, some actual known band. It was like everything right there. I remember so everyone used to download music when I was in like junior high. Yep. And I never understood it. I didn't really I know Napster. how Napster worked. Yep. I, I didn't yep. get it. So I remember um, I was like, I want to download music. I want to have these songs myself. So I downloaded cool. through MySpace, which is the saddest crime I think every, anyone's ever committed. It's like, yeah, you know, screw the man. I'm going to go see Tom, and he's going to get me the cool local emo bands. He's going to get me the latest uh, 20, Matchbox 20. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, uh, oh, let's not get into this. This is a weird tangent. <laughs> Comedy. <laughs> we can talk about Rob Thomas for days. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was going to say like myself, I've definitely like realized that, you know, you, you got to go in with some confidence, but comedy is the most humbling thing. And you'll know instantly because, you know, you go in with a premise and you go thinking like, oh, okay, you know, what if, uh, you know, you instantly went 14% faster every time when you farted on a bicycle, <laughs> you know, something <laughs> dumb like that. And then you're like, oh, Okay. I'm going to wait and hold this, you know, and you wait. Hold and... the fart or hold the, uh... <laughs> yeah, hold until I get on a bicycle. <laughs> Got to make sure we're staying on the same wavelength. Right? Then, um... <laughs> but that's the thing. So you think, okay, that's a good joke. And then you, you go on stage and then you finally say it. And then you get a, <laughs> and you're like, but that's the thing. Like with you, I got a genuine, like, huh, that's kind of funny. Like, all right. And that's coming from a comedian. Like, that's like, 
even is, bigger. Like, oh man, it. I really hit something. I hate to to generalize comics as like a, a genre of person, and you know, like stereotype them into certain things. But um, it, you know, when you go to open mics, you're not getting the same responses as you would at like a full club show because there's a ton of comics who are all either focusing on their material. They might be up next. They might be on deck. They want to think of what they're gonna say. They have a brand new, you know, three page thing that they wrote, and they're like, I have to memorize this. Right. They don't want to forget stuff. And it's, it, it's weird because I would rather, or I, I would say I would feel much more high and excited um, killing in front of 10 comics at an open mic and really owning that room than doing great at like a 200-person club with a bunch of people who are boozed up and just ready to laugh. Um, that's where material really, 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 really kind of like is thrown in that ring of like, you know, we're going to dish this out and it's going to be rough. Let's do it. It's not just going to be an easy fight. Yeah, and it's going to be like, oh, you got these guys to shut up or not think about their minute for a minute and focused on you and actually laughed. Like, wow. It feels really good. And the thing with comics especially is, you know, you're, you're analytical. Um, you're over-analytical. I think there's something that's really beautiful about the way a comic's mind works. Um, I want to say this was in I Am Comic or, or some kind of comedy documentary where someone said the beauty about comedians is something funny will happen to a normal person and then it passes by. A comedian will grab that funny thing and polish it and shine it and refine it and then throw it back out there on a stage and they've, you know, they've created something out of that. Um, so that being said, you know, comics are constantly overthinking. They're constantly um, overanalytical, generally speaking. Oh, yeah. I mean, my girlfriend does that all the time where she'll tell me all the... Like, I can't tell you how many times she said, why would you think that? And I'm like, because yeah, like, I'm this, a comic. <laughs> yeah, why is this? Why is that the nugget that you're holding on to? But, you know, that's what they do. So because they're so in their heads most of the time, a ton of material that you throw out there isn't going to get a, a laugh that might be the more instantaneous response from an audience member or a civilian, you know, even. It's going to be more of like a, oh, yeah, well, that was funny, the way he, he structured that or the way she kind of worded that or, you know, her act out, you know, his his description and the, the tone and the cadence of how he said it. Um, they'll appreciate a joke. I think comics can oh, yeah. totally appreciate a joke, but they're not the, the first people to laugh at something funny. It's like two minutes after my joke or after the, you know, the, the tag – I'll get a. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are my favorite. When you're like halfway through your set, and then they instantly get your opener, and they're like, "Oh, because the gun and the cheese." And you're like, "Yeah, was, we were past that, man." Oh yeah, I have one more minute. Oh god, call back it. Oh, I don't know. Now, how far into your open mics did you bomb? Like, was it you know your first time, or was it like you know not till your like second year? You know, I would say um, we all bomb from the start because we don't know what we're doing from the start. Um, like I said, I had a, a solid five, solid six, solid seven when I first started out. So I knew kind of what could work. I knew kind of what could save me if things got hard and I was trying out a new joke. But um, I, I, I still bomb to this day. Um, I've bombed constantly throughout this amazing but horribly sad journey of, you know, being a comic. And the, the thing with bombing is, you know, you, you, you learn from it. Um, you can have a great show, an amazing show, and for you, that's just like, wow, well, what I am doing is working. I kind of already knew that. Great. When you bomb, you're like, what did I do wrong? How could I have made that better? And um, for me, to this day, like I said, I still bomb, and it's just an opportunity for me to be like, oh, all right, that's hit the last 
50 times. It didn't tonight. Was it the room? Was it me? Was it the way I said it? Did I throw in a the instead of a uh? Did I, you know, throw in an adjective that was kind of weird? Yeah, um, hold on to that tag a little longer, whatever. Exactly. Um, you know, did I did I rush it? Did I pause mm-hmm. it, you know? So, um, yeah, I guess my question, or not my question, my answer to your question is I bomb all the time. <laughs> Come see my shows, uh, Instagram.com slash Eric Escobar. You'll be disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> I swear, like, I'm at that point where right now where, like, I, I don't have material where I know, like, 100% of the time I've said this joke, it's making everybody laugh, or at least half the audience laugh or something. It's always, like, you know, maybe 50-50. It's usually, like, 25-75, you know, <laughs> like, where it's, you know, I'll say it. The, it's It's weird because it's, like, the first time I bring it up, It'll get some instant laughs. And then I go, oh, I got to bring this up again. And then I'll, I'll get some more laughs. And then I'm like, oh, man, this is solid. And then the third time, it's like, it just falls flat. It yeah. just is nothing. Nobody is, everybody's even going like, man, that was kind of And that's weird because in far. your mind, that third time was almost like the make or break time. Like, yeah. Did it, it like, kind of worked? All right, if this works, this is going to stay in the tight five. Oh, nope. <laughs> yep. I was almost like, this is my closer. And then suddenly it's like, oh, no, it's it's, it's not. not even my middler. Yeah. <laughs> well, something, too, that's really hard as a comic is, you know, you it. I don't want to be like a martyr right now or anything like or say comp- comedians are like giant martyrs for their craft. But comedy is really difficult. And I think people understand that. I think audiences understand that. I know comics understand that. But in that difficult nature, you write a joke that you fall in love with and you want it to work. You want it to work so bad, and it just doesn't. Or it'll be like a 10% hit kind of thing, where 90% of the time it doesn't work, 10% of the time it'll get a giggle. Um, I remember I had this joke my first maybe year, year and a half. It was so dumb. I I just thought of it right now, and I'm like, I haven't thought of this joke for like three years. But it's, um, I used to be a babysitter, and then eventually I just bought a chair. Which... <laughs> Is it okay? It's a, it's not a great joke. It's a wordplay. It's right. whatever. Yeah, misdirection. But I love that joke so mm-hmm. much. I I I remember thinking of it. This is great. I love this. This is the kind of jokes I want to do. This and is it amazing. Just never hit or and just it would hit never... like yeah, like ten fifteen percent of the time. And it and it hurts so much because you don't want to give up jokes like that that you know don't work the majority of the time that you know we're never going to hit super crazy, but you just love them. But part of the game is. It is a game. Yeah, and when do you give it up? I mean, when do you go like, you know what? I'm just, I gotta move on to something else. Yeah, should I work on this more? Should I ditch it? And what's really great about um, having been a comic for the last, you know, like four-ish years, give or take, is um, there are jokes like that that didn't work before, but then I think of a new bit or I think of a new premise, and I'm like, whoa, three years ago, I had this joke that didn't really work or this joke that felt very awkward, I can get that, but that right back in a new, you know... Yeah, now it can be like a lead-in or something. Or... Exactly. Or throw it in the middle of stuff that you know will hit from you know either side. If you're doing, you know, like a 45-minute set and you're like, oh, I haven't done this in, you know, months. I need to, like, just build my time up. What's my old material? Yeah, I've noticed that, too, where, I mean, I'll bring it up on two or three open mics right in a row, every open mic, and then I'll just go, oh, man, this is not working. And then I'll sit on it. And then even in two months, I'll bring it back. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, I need, what happened in that two months of just sitting on it? Yeah. Uh, the, the craziest thing about 
kind of growing as a comic is, um, like you said, or we were talking about it earlier, you got open mics and we live in LA, you know, three minutes here, five minutes here, three minutes here, two minutes here, four minutes, maybe seven if you're lucky. Um, and then, you know, you, you start getting on showcases or you start getting on, you know, more shows where it's like, oh, I'm doing 10 minutes. Um, you go on the road to MC, you start MCing. Oh, you get 15 minutes. You start featuring for clubs on the road. Oh, that's 20 to 30. Man, um, that'll be the day. <laughs> and it's weird because, you know, being in L.A., I, I can only practice for like five minutes at a time, ten minutes at a time if I'm lucky. But if I'm getting ready to go on the road in a couple of weeks and I'm like, oh, fuck, I have to do 30. I have to do 30 minutes. You start thinking of all the jokes that you've like, you know, the fat jokes. You've like cut the fat to create your perfect ten and all these jokes that are good, that are decent, have kind of been thrown to the side. And then out of nowhere, it's like, whoa, I'm sitting on 10 minutes of good stuff that I just never did because, you know, I wanted to do the best five I could or the best six I could at this open mic. And then you you, you kind of re, you're reintroduced to the person that you were two years ago who's advanced, but then you can always look at that other person and be like, but you had good jokes too. You had yeah. okay jokes that you can put into your longer sets when you just need the time. Have you, like, have you noticed that certain jokes have, like, a time limit to them? Like, I had this bit about, uh, you know, Mowgli's loincloth being unreali- unrealistic as fuck, where, ha- where it never, like, falls off throughout the whole movie, no matter how much shit he gets into. <laughs> and, like, it's going over well and whatnot, but I'm just thinking to myself, like, how long is that? Like, how long do I get before people are like, dude, that movie came out like two years ago. Like, you can't talk about that shit anymore. I completely get what you mean. Um, it, it, it was horrible that it happened. But, you know, my vibe and, you know, kind of like my, my brand as a comic. Like, I definitely go a little more mean. I definitely play that, like, sure. creep up a lot. Sure. Uh, I'm really weird, kind of dark. And um, when Orlando happened, horrible, 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 mm-hmm. uh, this joke where I was saying um, I had a friend who was actually in Orlando during the shootings. Um, he was in the club when the shooting happened, and thank God he made it out okay. He's alive. He's fine. It's because he was hiding in the closet. <laughs> and it's not kind of like the babysitter joke. It's not the best joke. It's a no. shitty wordplay joke. And I think it's also, it felt real for a while. I was like, really? You really had a friend? <laughs> yeah, you really got to sell it. You really got to sell it. But that being said, um, if I, I did that joke the day the Orlando shootings happened. Mm. Um, mm. Two days after it happened. Nice. You know, three, four days after it happened. Nice. And it was great because it was shocking. And it was great because it was in the moment. It was in everyone's heads. But you're not Everyone felt laughs. connected. You're getting a lot of, oh, right? Or is it laughs? Not the way Eric Escobar does it. <laughs> um, but that being said, it's, it's weird because the, uh, the feeling and the humor of that joke does not come out of the wordplay. It does not come out of the in the closet, in the closet. It comes out of... You said what? <laughs> oh, buddy, we're in for a fun yep. 19 minutes right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you lead with that, yeah, that's definitely. Oh, like, I led oh, with it, man. We're in for a ride. I led with it, but it, it established my tone. It established my brand. It set the audience up for what they were going to be in for for the next, you know, five, ten, and, fifteen, twenty minutes. So that joke definitely had a shelf life. But I can't do that joke now. Well, I can't do that joke six months from now because it's not in people's minds. It's not fresh. And it's not a good enough joke to be funny. I think also, too, like, people will always give a pass 
if it is topical, if it was like a pop culture, like, oh, that shit just happened yesterday and he thought of that right now, like, okay, I'll give him a pass instead of like, oh, it took you two months to think of that. Exactly. I didn't need to hear that. Like, a lot of the times, you know, you'll hear, like, a Bill Cosby joke, like, these days. Yeah, now it's like, come on, dude. Exactly. But the day it happened, it was like, yo, you went where? Oh, buddy, I'm down. I'm down. And everybody had their own. Everybody had, like, a different, like, Bill Cosby joke where you're like, all right, that's kind of funny. Yeah, and it was it, it was a time when those jokes could be done. But, you know, not all jokes are evergreen, and it, it hurts because you could have a great joke that is a great... It's not an in-the-closet joke. No. Or it's not, you know, like a hacky Bill Cosby joke. We have a good joke that you know can kill and stand alone on its own, but without that point of reference, you either have to adjust it to a new horrible tragedy right, right. or, or make movie. it more generic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I think, I think I like how you can have both where it can be topical. Like, this stuff just happened and I'm just thinking it off the fly. You're kind of almost doing, like, crowd work in a sense. But also still have, like, no, these jokes are going to, like, just work at any time of year, any time of day. It's just part of my act. Completely. Um, and one thing that you're kind of reminding me of is uh, there's a great comic named Thomas Dale, who's mm-hmm. very, very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Clark, who I mentioned before, does this beautifully. But um, you can have these jokes that you know work, but when it comes down to it, there's there's a lot to be said about the connection that you make with your audience. And I think when I was first starting out, and even today, um, you, you, you worry about your material so much because you want your material to be funny. But really, connecting with your audience can get you so much farther than, you know, a good joke. Um, if that audience feels like they're on your level, you could be an okay comic and you can bring the house down. If the audience feels disconnected, you can be the best comic in the whole world, but they're going to hate you because they don't, they don't understand you. Oh, and I mean, I've, I learned that early. Like the first few open mics I was doing, I didn't like pay attention to the audience at all because I was still scared shitless. Exactly. You're just focusing on your jokes. Yeah. And try not to like not have everything just fly out of your head is the moment you go on stage. Yeah. And then like, you don't acknowledge your bombing. It's like you just just keep chugging on through. It's the train, yeah. But the moment I like had a minute and a half go by and nobody laughed, and I said like, "Whoa, I have never had a minute and a half go by and nobody laughed before." <laughs> People are suddenly like, "Ah, uh, yeah." And that's the laugh that you get through the whole night. And it, <laughs> at least it's like. You acknowledge that you're sucking dick, and then people will go, like, yeah, you're sucking dick. Because you connect with them. Mm-hmm. And with, like, Thomas or Tom. Oh, I didn't realize the same name. Um, those guys, <laughs> they do. About? <laughs> both of them! Ah! Um, they both do brilliant crowd work, and they speak to that crowd. So they're already amazing material. Yeah. Isn't just yeah. good material. It's great because they're now connected with the crowd and weaving it in now, and making think... them feel like a part of it. And that's that's something that I wish. That not only I could work on more now, but I worked on more, you know, two, three years ago when I was first starting out. Like, connecting with the audience and making good material, not just one or the other. Do you think, like, them connecting with the audience, they've done so much where that actually becomes material? Where, like, anytime when they connect with a bald guy in the audience, they got a bald, like, little riff to go off of this. You know, they got little stuff that's, like, it's not necessarily prepared, but it's prepared enough that they can just call on it whenever they want. That's, yeah. Sure. Um, in my experience, giving away the tricks, guys. Um, <laughs> That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Reveal the magic. <laughs> I um, I did a show once, probably when I was like two years in, and there was this guy in the crowd 
that wasn't laughing. He just kept on nodding every time he heard like a funny joke. Right. So I went on stage. I think it was emceeing, and I was like, "This guy is my favorite audience member because man, he doesn't laugh at jokes. He just gives nods of approval. Like, oh, here's a funny joke. That's a good nod." <laughs> Oh, this joke is horrible. And then he just gives you a death stare for like three seconds. That's horrible. And it was really funny because the audience kind of knew it was up. Like you're telling someone who's in a room of like 50 people and like maybe five of his friends are there. And it was, it was a little bit of crowd work that really worked well. And that made the audience buy into me immediately. Totally. Um, I still do that to this day because it doesn't matter if he's nodding or not. There's always someone in the crowd you can point to who's going to be in a big group. You call them out in a fun, non-threatening, happy way. Make them part of the show. And then everyone feels like, oh, one, he just thought of that. And that's really, really funny. Even though I didn't. And and two, um, you know, you're involving the audience. They're now a part of the show. And three, when you do it in that way, not to like hype up my own bit or anything, but when you do it in a way that isn't threatening and isn't mean, the audience is like, well, we like this guy. He's playing with us in a nice way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially when they're expecting a comedy club is going to have an aggressive comic to, you know, shit on you the whole time. Totally. I think that it's it's so funny because I've done that twice where uh, I don't know how it happened, but just... For whatever reason, I just started making fun of this hot chick once throughout my whole set, just basically saying, yeah, you're not that hot. Like, you think you're hot, but you're just, eh. You had no chance with her anyways. You're like, no, fuck it. Of course, like, everybody in her entourage was definitely like, I've been wanting to tell her this this, my whole life. Like, Like, that group was, like, laughing the most, and it's like, oh, yeah, you guys have you some pent up frustration amongst like hanging out with this chick because it hit a nerve. Like they were laughing almost too hard. Like I've been wanting to tell this chick she hit it's like her shit. Your shit don't stick, Veronica. <laughs> like yeah, this guy might want to fuck you, but screw that. Like <laughs> and you and you like kind of like make that known, and then suddenly, for whatever reason. It's like the funniest thing that's in your set. Well, because they trust you now. Yeah. You know, they the audience wants to like, trust. Yeah, like, and you're funny on the, in the moment. Like, it's almost like comedians now, like, have it harder where since there's social media and since there's, like, everything that's, like, instant, like, you can't just be like, oh, I'm going to say this act and it, I've been going through this act for 20 years and so what? It's it's killed 20 years ago and it'll work now. And you're like, no, you got to make not only make up new material every year if you're going to be a Louis C.K. or a Bill Burr, you got to also have 15 minutes of it just happened at that show. Yeah. <laughs> and something that like I would kill for a Comedy Central special and kill for an HBO special, I'd kill for, you know, six minutes on Conan um, or on Fallon. Like it would be... A dream come true. Any TV spot would Any, be great. <laughs> what I'm saying is give me work. If you're listening, <laughs> give me work. Um, this is all a pitch, guys. Uh, it's all an audition. Yeah, all the movers and shakers listen <laughs> to this show. <laughs> but when you watch comedy on TV, um, it, it's different. It's very different because it's not in a club. You're, you're not living off the moment. You're not talking to the crowd. You're and not it has to be PG-13. I mean, and it has to be true, which isn't typical of a lot of live comedy you'll see. So I think another thing about crowd work, another thing about interacting with your audience is they might be a comedy fan. They might watch a lot of stand-up on you know Netflix or what have you, but 
when you go to a club and then you start talking to them and you start messing with them and you start having fun in a very playful way, it it makes it so they're like, oh, this is this is different and this is unique and this is something that no one else will ever experience yeah, because this is happening right now just for us. With a stand-up special or with a five-minute clip, you know, a million people can watch that on YouTube or yeah. a million people can watch that on Netflix. But in a club, live comedy, that is just for us. And when it's just for us and when you feel like this moment is completely communal just between me and the 200 other people that are here, that's magical. Because no one will ever experience this but you and I and the 198 <laughs> other people. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely waiting to get to that moment. But, I mean, it's 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 coming with a lot of cool like moments. I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of cool, like, it's so polar art. It's like either like you're on cloud nine or you're like one minute from like fuck this shit. Yeah. <laughs> I um this is almost sacrilegious to say on a stand up comedy podcast, but um I started as an improviser and I would say I almost prefer improv to stand up in a lot of respects. Um it's it's a great art form. Oh, can it be a horrible art form to watch? <laughs> oh, can it be pretty bad some of the time? But great improv is is truly magical. Because it is kind of like what I was saying, just for us, just in that moment. But um, I always felt improv for me would be on a scale between like a three and a seven. Where a bad show, it's a three. Definitely don't feel good. You're not very happy. You feel like a three and that doesn't feel great. When you have a great show, that's like a seven. Like, wow, I feel good right now. I I would love to get a beer right now. I would love to party it up because I feel good right now. Uh, stand-up, I've always felt, is more between, like, a 1 and a 10. <laughs> yeah. Where, man, when you do great, you are on cloud 10. Yeah, you like, Everybody look at me, I'm the funniest man in the world. You can't <laughs> sleep that night. You probably can't sleep for a couple days. You go to work the next day, you're yeah. just all hyped up. Like you just had, like... next set. Just... Yeah, you just had, like, eight cups of coffee. You just want it. It is the best feeling in the whole world that I have ever experienced. But when you bomb... That is not a three. That is not. That is not a. I'm kind of sad. I'm gonna drink a couple glasses of wine and watch, you know, reruns of WWE NXT. No, it is. It is truly a. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Yeah, what? Yeah. Why have I wasted the last five years? I thought I was at least good, but I'm not. Like you hate me. You don't hate us as an improv team. You don't hate the ability that we were having some difficulty thinking of things on the spot. You hate the things that I have worked on for years, that I have struggled over, that I waited for four hours to do a three-minute open mic. I've been having this in my head for the last eight hours, and you did not laugh. And you hate me right now. And I feel completely devalued, and it's a negative one million. It's it's a one, but it feels worse than that. And it's it's weird because you know we we can live between we're not happy, but comics can live between a one and a three. Going up at open mics, going up at you know bar shows, going up at places that you know aren't super fun. But hey, when you get that ten, you get that ten, and that's why. Yep. You know, you can get it once a week. You can get it once a show on a weekend. Yeah. You can get it once a year. You can bomb for two years and then get it, and then you're like, "That's that's why I do this." Like, I kind of I kind of correlated it to uh, I was telling I forget who I was telling, but I I correlated like the the bombs and the the 
I wouldn't even say I killed yet. I don't even think I've... It's so early to say, like, oh, yeah, I killed. Like, the best I've... I was I've... in front of three people <laughs> yeah. at a coffee shop, and by killed, I meant one guy gave me a nod. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was great. No, I mean, like, I mean in the sense of, like, okay, I got a couple, like, hey, that wasn't that bad. But, like, I correlate it to that moment where in Top Gun... The killing is like the last scene where he's like shaking everybody's hand on the carrier and he's like, hey, hey, and then like a like Iceman gives him the final like approval like, dude, you like and then you go, you and then they give the little embrace and everything. It's like that moment where you get your peers to like recognize you, but everybody else on the carrier is like loving you like that's the moment. But then like the bombing moment is like the scene in Can't Buy Me Love where Patrick Dempsey like for all of you (laughs) 90s film fans listening to the podcasts you tuned into a good one yeah Can't Buy Me Love was the story of a guy that decided to buy this girl's friendship or uh, I don't know what it was going out or something their boyfriend and girlfriend for a thousand dollars so that kind of sounds like a hooker to me but without the sex but anyway, there's a moment where he's at a party, and then the whole school finds out that he did pay for her to become popular, and then everybody in the mo- in the like party is totally just like, Ugh, like I don't even know you, like get away from me, like don't even talk to me, like who the fuck invited this guy, like. Uh, um, yeah, we'll clear everything up tomorrow. <laughs> Everything is cool, really. <laughs> oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Thank you. Excuse me. You ready to go? Um, um, I don't know you. You sure knew me earlier. I don't know what you're talking about. Happy New Year. So when you tell a bad poop joke, you feel at a girl at a party who paid for... (laughs) I feel like Patrick Dempsey, not the girl. Like ER Patrick Dempsey? What's he in? McDreamy or McSteamy or something. Uh, Grey's Anatomy. Right, right. Uh, Sacred Heart, Mm -hmm. Seattle. Um, (laughs) Hey, go watch uh, Can't Buy Me Love. Have you seen it? No, Uh, you haven't. I've been nodding and smiling this whole time. (laughs) I just fell along for the ride. I was like, I don't think he's seen this movie. I, I was with you on Top Gun. I was hoping you'd do a bartender route next to, I don't know, Indian in the Cupboard. I was going to say, what what would have been a better uh, topical movie to, to grab a good bomb scene from? Can't Buy Me Love is pretty, is pretty on it. Uh, <laughs> no, but it is definitely like, I've had, you know, some good moments off stage, hanging out with comics, talking shop, whatever, just, you know, just shooting the shit. And then, yeah, you go on stage, and then you bomb, and then those guys are like, yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> like, you're like, whatever happened to the talking shop still? And they're like, no, you bomb, bro. <laughs> well, a big part of it, unfortunately, is is the game. And I think you gotta play the game, and sometimes you see someone who isn't that great, and you're like, oh, well, I don't, why should I waste my time talking to that person? And um, I feel like it, the game is part of it, but ultimately, just as a person, not as a comic, you just gotta be a good person. You know, people deserve... Uh, hello. Yeah. People deserve. Uh, oh man, what's up? And there are ways. And I'm not trying to go like, let's party. Like, why are we not bad BFFs yet? It's exactly. like, it's like I, I wasn't expecting like a full on like, 
bro hug or like, yeah, yeah. They can sole you between your bosom. Um, they can sole you between your bosom. I messed that up, but I want to see that. Let's go. Yeah. Um, well, something that you sort of said that I think about a lot is definitely perspective. Um, you want to have perspective in your, your comedy career because all of us want to sell out Madison Square Garden or Carnegie Hall and have, you know, tons of people laugh want, at us. I just want to be able to quit my day job. <laughs> exactly, right? There are, there are so many steps, and I think everything in life, you know, you can't just go from zero to hero. You can't Hercules it, like, immediately and everything. You really got to take those baby steps. And, you know, you're, if you're just starting out and it's your first weekend, no. You know, you shouldn't yeah. be trying to get a an HBO special within the next month. I'm so happy you said that because I know plenty of guys and I want to, I mean, they're just guys that I've met on the open mic scene or whatever. And they're talking about like, you know, having their trying to record an album next week or whatever, or everybody like should show up to this open mic to, because they're recording their hour. And you're like, dude, Nobody knows you. Like, I'm sure you're great. And yeah, you're better than me. And you've been doing this at least four years more than me. But I guarantee you, it's too early, bro. It's too early. Yes. But... I understand you still want to make money or you're still trying to get your name. This is a way to... One more person can hear who I am. And I get it. My my take on that maybe is... Maybe I'll be different. Maybe in four years I'll be like, hey, man, come to my special. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next week, come to my special. It's over at the, uh, you know, the open mic in the porn basement off La Cienega. I mean, you've been doing this for a while. Like, Have you thought about, like, hey, I'm going to put out a an album or I'm going to try to work <laughs> on an hour that I'm going to now put out and then eventually, and then after that, never do it again? Never do that material again? Or So... A couple different points. Uh, yes, no, yes, no, maybe yes, no. I think I answered that in the right order. <laughs> uh, um, I feel like a, a lot of people think that time is a huge factor in comedy. I agree and disagree with that. I think if you're a year in, it's too early to necessarily like record an hour-long album and start submitting that. Only because I remember when I was a year in, and I remember when a lot of my other friends were a year in, we didn't have... Um, we didn't have the time and we didn't have the jokes and the quality of jokes that we should have had on an hour, um, hour long CD. Um, I will say though, I think it was Amy Poehler who has a great quote where she's like, you know, people who do great things do them before they're ready. Um, you, you have to push yourself. You know, I, I knew when I first went on the road to MC at a club that I wasn't the best comic in the world. I knew I wasn't the best comic in LA, but I knew if I never took that step, when would I take that step? Would I take it a year from now? Would I take it five years from now? I'm still not going to be ready in ten years if I don't take this step. So I have to. So my only thing is I feel the the level that you're at has to be you, – you have to you have to feel ready. And you have to feel like you're at least on the right path. And there are tons of people out there who are so talented – and they don't have their show, they can't get shows, they don't have their sitcom, they deserve sitcoms. And there's also a lot of people out there who aren't at that level, who maybe aren't as talented or as funny or can kill as much, who are out there making seven figures a year. Well, maybe yeah. not seven figures, at eh, 6.5. Um, like, I mean, I've I've met certain guys, like, uh, 
that are grinding, you know, that they're doing open mic still, but they're still working and they're still definitely like, you know, they're at that level where they're, they're probably featuring or they're maybe getting, you know, uh, headline spot headline here and spots there. and yeah. stuff like you know in fresno or wherever and fresno's got a great scene man <laughs> been to fresno a bunch got a great hey, casino I'm, up I'm there like, a couple I'm, great rooms that's the thing i wish i could I'm, I'm hoping to get to that level someday too mm-hmm. but it's like okay i can see at that level when you could call yourself a professional comedian like i'm getting paid to tell jokes i'm not just a guy that's doing a lot of open mics i could see at that level okay Maybe that's the time to put out an album. You know, I know those guys. Like, I just listened to a guy that that I met during the open mic, Keith Carey. Yeah, and Keith is great. He's, he's killing great. it. I he's love like, Keith. Yeah, he's and a I, big old ball of fun. Exactly. <laughs> and I totally ran into him at like a few open mics, and I wouldn't say like we're friends or anything, but like I'm sure he could recognizes me or something. For the record, me and Keith are friends. I uh, <laughs> just want to establish that, Keith, I love you. You're an amazing human being. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the time. Like, he just put out an album, and I listened to it, and it was good. It was great. It was like, that, and at that time, I'm like, okay, that's, like, a good time to put out an album. Yeah, like, he's, a, like, he's a that's solid a good, like, comic. I'm he's thinking, super like, funny. I gotta be at least him. To be thinking about me, my, me putting out an album or whatever, like that's gotta be like, and I don't even think I'm even leaps and bounds close to that level yet. And I'm, but I see guys half that level that are yeah, no Keith Carey. I said Keith Carey, and you're like, oh yeah, I know that guy. He's great, yeah. But I could tell you two other, three other guys, and you'd be like, who? And if you're still going who, like in the scene, like if I tell another comedian and they go who, that's where I'm like. That's too early. That's too early to put out the album. If people within your own, you know, uh, I guess you'd call coworkers or whatever, like uh, contemporaries, people that are, you know, your your equals, they they're going like, I don't know this person. I've never even seen him at an open mic or whatever. And this guy's now putting out an album. Come on now. Uh, yes. The but you got to play the game like also because. Maybe we're diving in too deep, but it's like... I like it deep. A lot of people would be like, oh, yeah, you can't just go up to that going like, what the fuck are you doing that for? Exactly. You gotta go, oh, cool, man. Well, the... Get at it. The way I view um, comedy um, is I... Be the best you you can be. Be the best comic you can be. Fuck everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I don't mean fuck everyone else. Like, don't give a shit about everyone else. No, no, right. these are your comrades. <laughs> you know, these are people that you love. But I mean, like, you can't compare yourself. True. You can't look at other people and be like, why aren't I there yet? Or why are they doing things that I don't have? Or they're worse than me. Or they're not as funny as me. Why are they doing these things or getting these spots or putting out these albums? You just got to focus on you. You really yeah. just got to focus on you. And I, my hope is that people are doing that and if other people are focusing on them they're focusing on those albums they're focusing on getting you know podcasts they're focusing on getting um tv spots or, or web series or whatever it might be you just got to be the best to you and when you look at people who are i hate to say like less than or not as funny or not as established but when you look at other people who are doing things where it's like you're not ready it's like all right they're not ready but Fuck that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I gotta I gotta be the best me. Yeah. Um, if the yeah. best me is hitting up 
50 clubs in a day and maybe getting a feature spot out of that. Or if the best me is, you know, going to open mics and trying out material after, you know, material after material until, you know, it's drives you crazy. Or the best you is putting out an album. It can be whatever you want. You just got to do the best you, you mm. can do. Mm. And everyone else is doing their own thing. And, you know, don't burn bridges. Just kind of like, cool, man. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think ultimately, yeah, when I when I hear myself saying, like, why the fuck are you putting out an album? I'm ultimately telling that to myself, like, why aren't you that far? Why aren't you, be, like, why didn't you... So this is really a therapy session. Um, I hope all of you are... Yeah, he has a $15 copay, so it's, come on, guys, remind him. I'll yeah, Venmo it. It's that way. It's, it's definitely, like, you know... you. It's it's that envy slash you know jealousy. It's it's that where when you say like fuck that guy, what you're really saying is why am I not that guy? <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's heartbreaking and it's frustrating and I, and I've been there. I'm I'm still there at points where it's like oh, he got what club? Like he's doing what? She's here? Like what's happening? That's amazing. And ultimately, I have to be like, well, you know what? There are other people that might be doing that to me, um, but looking looking at me oh, that yeah. way, and I I can't worry about the people who are doing better than me. I can't worry about the people who are giving me shade. I just got to worry that I'm doing the best thing that I can. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can you can be a great comic, or you can have a great album, or you can you know have all these TV credits. But I kind of believe you're as great as like your last show. And you can get an amazing TV credit and then not work for a year. Totally. Or you can have no TV credits, hustle it up, and be booked, you know, 30, 40, 50 weeks out of the year. Yeah, doing like four days every week. Yeah. It's, you just really have to... Two shows a day. <laughs> focus on you. Three, four, five, yeah, totally. seven. Yeah. Come on by, 9 a.m. We'll have mimosas <laughs> there. Yeah, that's what I want to get. I love, like, that's... A mimosa my... show? That would be... <laughs> that's my We're pitching it. It's like... Comedy Central. That's my prime, like, you know, doing shit time where, you know, we're still nine to five guys. So, like, I wake up at nine and I'm ready to go do work and stuff. So, like, if we could have a show where it's like, it's 9 a.m., let's have some laughs. Like, that would be great for me. Like, now, like, at this point in my life when I'm doing, like, you know, a nine to five job and then I'm still trying to grind out two open mics afterwards, I'm staying up till, like, midnight, maybe even later, and it's like... I don't want to say I don't want to do it, but it's definitely a struggle trying to get funny after a like ten hour day of just doing other shit. <laughs> I get you, man. But at the same time, the the scary thing, or not the scary thing, the exciting thing, both, is that <laughs> it doesn't get easier. Yeah, like it straight up doesn't. I mean, yeah, like, just replace a job for flying or traveling or yeah, radio whatever. spots, yeah. like you know, emailing clubs, like. If you get to the point where you're, you know, getting more acting stuff, like you're on sure. set all day. And, um, yeah, you know, the hustle the hustle goes as strong as you'll make it go. And um, I ultimately feel like, you know, a, a big part of life, especially comedy, is it is a numbers game. Um, it's totally a numbers game. You know, you, you can get lucky tomorrow. You can get lucky in 20 years. You can not get lucky at all. But it's a numbers game. But those chances greatly increase if you're putting in the work. Yeah, totally. So it's just like, ah, this might never happen. This could happen right now with an email that I'm getting. But if I'm putting in the work, things will – the chances have upped, you know? Um, 
doing an open mic once every three months, cool. It's like you bought a lottery ticket. If you go all in and buy 40 lottery tickets every day, sell a numbers game. That guy who bought that one may win, but you have a very good chance of winning. Yeah. You're going to definitely have way more of a chance if you're uh, you know, grinding more. Definitely. But then when you don't win, you cry more. <laughs> you definitely cry more in your parents' garage. Greening, California. Therapy session has switched over. Uh, Dr. Daryl, I will Venmo you the copay. Tell me when you started living in your parents' garage. Well, oh god, my baby noise was a, was a sad cow, maybe a lamb of sorts. Oh jeez, uh, I am not putting this in my voice acting reel. Um, do you do impressions? Now I've tried to do impressions on stage, and they have not gone over well at all. Uh, I don't do impressions; I do characters. Um, a lot of characters, like when Bernie Sanders was really big, I would have like, um, hey guys, uh, this is Bernie Sanders saying or talking about his favorite type of milk. One <clears> percent! <throat> or like, I would do like Arnold Schwarzenegger if he was like a rapist slash serial killer. And it would oh, yeah. be like, um, you know, come with me if you want to live. Like really like quick, not great impressions. They were more in the shape of the character. Um, right. Yeah, it's almost nothing like too crazy for the course when it comes to like Arnold Schwarzenegger or certain like impressions where it's like as a comedian you kind of just have to do it because you're a comedian. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a ah oh, he's doing a Schwarzenegger impression right now. What a hack! But no, I want to hear this. This is gonna be good. Like because I'm I'm a sucker it's like for a impressions. Playing Freebird, it's like all right, that's kind of douchey, but. That's all rocks. I want to see this. Get out your phone. Yeah. Let's Instagram this for a minute. Uh, also known as 134th of Freebird. <laughs> Man, I've bumped, I've been bumped because at a, lo- a lot of oh, mixed mics, it'll be like singers as well as, you know, comedians. And I swear, like, on those, every comedian sucks dick. But, like... Really? Because I almost feel the opposite just because... When the audience comes for comedy at an open mic, you will be let down. <laughs> you will, this is an open mic, homeless Joey Jim right, off the street. Right. He's doing five, and that's not going to be good. <laughs> Please, he smells horrible. That was my old character's name. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, I got off track. Oh, yeah, but I was saying, like, um, open mic, you're trying stuff out. You're testing stuff. It might be great. It might not be great. Mm-hmm. More often than not, it's going to be testing out stuff. But, like... What were we talking about? Musicians being better. Oh, yeah. But when you go to um, a variety open mic where it's like poets, musicians, all that good stuff, uh, I feel like the audience doesn't expect comedy. So comedy is like a treat. It's like, oh, (laughs) our expectation was this, and now we're firmly let down because we've heard 34 jokes about dicks. Right. It's like, oh, that was a great song. That was a great poem. And this this man's going to tell some jokes he wrote. Oh, boy. Look at him doing his thing. Like, oh, Art, I'm going to go get another mocha latte, please. Well, that's what my problem was, is that, like, I'd have this, like, hot chick go on, like, right before me and do, like, you know, two Bonnie Raitt songs, but they were, like, you know, really soulful, and, of course, she had her, like, tits just hanging on, like, the the guitar. And like- That's my act, actually. <laughs> I play a sing a Bonnie Raitt song, and I just put my tits on top but of the But that's guitar. the thing. Everybody was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And then I go on stage and, like, yeah, tell a few, like, racist jokes at, like, a 
you know, transgender joke, and they're like, uh, what the fuck is that? Like, their monocles fall in their snifters or something, like... Well, I think it's, you know, part of that game, like I was talking about before, is, like, not just creating great material that is part of your brand and part of who you are and very true to who you are, because I, I firmly believe that, you know, the only way to... One of the only ways to really make it in these days is to be that brand. Be yeah. you. Well, like, don't compromise. But also, like, you gotta learn to adapt. Like... Me in San Francisco is not me in Houston, Texas. <laughs> like, that is... I remember having a run where I was doing SF for a weekend, and then I did Houston the next, and I had to completely switch things up because yeah. they were different audiences. You know, me in Seattle is not going to be me in New York. Me in New York is very much not going to be me in L.A. Like, so there are, there are flavors from places. are harder at the gay jokes in Houston, or is it harder in the... They're laughing harder, uh, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> San Francisco is laughing harder... Um, but I mean, they're hard. Uh, they're just hard throughout <laughs> the joke. Like, oh, it's a good act out. Put your pants back on. Homeless Joey Jim is back. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely. It would be sweet. I haven't yet seen it, but it would be cool to see uh, if my humor is like regional or if it does like go like, wow, these guys really love the the transgender jokes. And you don't know until you do it. Yeah, like, you don't yeah. know until like you're literally in the middle of Arkansas. Mm. And you're like, all right, I'm at this club. Yeah. Okay, here we go. You guys like uh, Vampire Diaries? Oh, God. All right. I'm gonna, oh, I have another order of nachos, please. I've had, I have this bit about uh, being domesticated by aliens, and it's like totally like, as soon as I go in with like, wouldn't it be cool if we were domesticated by aliens? And if it doesn't get a laugh right there, I'm like, oh, you guys aren't nerds. Like... <laughs> Like, this ain't gonna work. Those are, but those are, like, my favorite types of jokes when you have them, when you, you throw them away, where, like, we're not gonna be friends, and you bring them right back in. Like, I have this joke. Yeah, um, you have to win them over. Yeah, but I love it when you, when you, when you win them over after just losing them under. Um, <laughs> one of this joke where I was like, uh. Hey guys, oh, such a stupid joke. Why do I still do this? Um, hey guys, um, I used to work at a camp for kids with disabilities. Uh, whenever my kids were really great, I would give them all Capri Suns. Whenever they were horrible, I would give them all Capri Suns with the straws ripped off. Right. <laughs> and apparently that makes me a bad person because they're all amputees. And that loses the audience. Because like, you're making fun of kids without arms or legs? That's not cool. But then I follow it up with, hey guys, come on. Don't take it so personally, because that's, like, my favorite joke. <laughs> Hands down. So it's one of those, like, my favorite jokes is, like, I'm going to completely yeah. not have you on my side at all. And then just, oh, oh, God. Beers in Eric's parents' garage. Uh, um, that shouldn't be the theme song. We'll think of a new one. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's something really exciting about, kind of like you said with, like, your alien joke. Like, yeah. Hey, this might not work, but I got something in my back pocket. We're gonna make it work. We're gonna make it work. We're yeah. having. And it's still like generic enough where people are like, "Oh, I know what aliens are." It's not like I'm like huge into aliens, but at least I can get with the premise. It's not like I'm like, "Hey, remember that uh, can't buy me love when Patrick Dempsey?" And they're like, <laughs> "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> More Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It's like. I almost wish I could go up to people or right at the beginning of the set and say, like, so are you guys into transgender people or are you into aliens? Because I got jokes on both. <laughs> Have a tester joke. Have a joke that's, like, 
standalone funny enough to where if they're not on your side, they'll still laugh. Like, um, the opener I've been doing lately is, um, hey guys, I'm really scared. Someone got shot outside my apartment. And, um, God, I was really freaked out because it was the first time I've ever used a gun. Like, <laughs> right. they'll right. laugh, but you can tell by their laugh whether they're like, <laughs> shooting people's great, more of that. Yeah. Or if they're like, oh, that was that was funny. That was a funny joke, but, hmm, that was a little touchy. And Is you, this climate gun, like, well with that? Like, since obviously all these, like, you know, every day there's, like, a gun. You know, a cop killing somebody. Like. Well, kind of like what I was talking about with the Orlando joke earlier. Like, if anything, it helps because it's on people's mm, minds. Right. People are more affected by it. Um, as soon as you say the word gun, yeah. people are automatically a little more on their toes. They're, yeah. they're definitely listening in more. And um, if I were to say gun in a club, even in the context of that joke, um, 30% of the crowd who would rather be drinking their drinks, talking to their friend, you know, filling out a comment card is now with me. For good or for bad, they're with me. And if they put that trust in me, that, all right, come on, and then I can take them in the right direction and let them laugh, the rest of the show even helps. So I feel like this climate even helps with that. Because the more controversial you can get, the more people are, like, intrigued, and they're not going to be, you know, not paying attention. Yeah, it almost, like, in a weird way, it does help where, like, you know, since it is on everybody's mind right now, like, why not make a joke about it instead of trying to go like, hey, remember when guns were not cool? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The uh, You can have your opinion on guns. It can be whatever you want. But whether you're pro or anti, people are thinking about it right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, Black Lives Matter. Um, yep. Just, it, there's, there's so many topics right now. We live... This is the great thing about comedy. We live in a really scary time. And there have been scary things that have happened throughout our history. There are scary things still happening in other parts of the world. Worse things than what we're going through. But you, as a comedy, you can't focus on those things and be upset, be sad, be frustrated. You have to look at those and be like, how can I turn this? How can I make this something where people can laugh? Because you're dealing with that 22 and a half hours out of the day. So when Friday hits and you go to that 8 o'clock show at a club, you don't want to look at that and be sad. You want to look at it and be happy. And it's our job to take those things and turn them into a positive light where you're laughing. Whether it's like a really offensive joke or like just some mild wordplay joke. We're making these horrible things okay and you're allowed to be happy about certain things. And you're allowed to laugh for, you know, an hour and a half. Yeah, it almost thinks, like, I feel like weird, like, because I just thought of this now, like... You know, if if JFK, you know, got shot today, if the president got assassinated today, like, would there be a set of comics, you know, making assassination jokes the next day? Or would there be that, like, is there a certain topic out there that's like, dude, too soon? Dude. It's, you know what? We talked about confidence earlier. We talked about confidence when you're first starting out. Now confidence is, like, a really key factor. Love him or hate him, Dane Cook. Super confident. When he's on stage, he owns that totally, stage. Totally, totally. And he sold that Madison Square Garden and was like a social media franchise for a while. Um, confidence has a lot to do with it. And if you're going to tackle a heavy subject, you gotta you got to own it. You just got to. Because the audience, if they see or smell fear, they're going to be like, well, that guy isn't committed, so why should we be committed? You want them to trust you. And how do you get people to trust you? Through, like, balls out, I'm owning this. 
That's why I almost like 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 Gilbert Godfrey, like right after nine eleven, like he's making nine eleven jokes and yeah. like he's doing the, the aristocrats and all these things where you're like it sweet, at least one person's out here going, Man, because 'cause I'm I myself, I'm thinking that. Like yeah. I've definitely like, you know, made a, a joke right after Orlando and I got a lot of that was the only time I got people to sw- straight up like unfollow me tell me like what the fuck bro and all it was was like i told them i was gonna wear a a rainbow banana hammock at, at half stiff it was so stupid like it's not even that i'm great offended of a, that you thought that was a joke yeah that's <laughs> what i'm saying it wasn't even like maybe that's more it's like dude come on at least be funny yeah. <laughs> the people i think really want to they want to have fun when they go to comedy clubs. Comedy is all about having fun. And like I said earlier, it's all about connections. And, and Facebook is not for having fun. <laughs> Facebook is not for having fun. It is for Candy Crush and liking Orlando Bloom. Um, but the, the, the thing about a lot of comedy clubs and a lot of comedy shows is you, you, want that, you want that connection and you want to laugh. And I think a lot of people feel guilty or they feel upset about thinking certain things. Yeah, or they gotta look not that feeling... over their shoulder before they laugh. Exactly. But when you can break that tension and break the ice, you connect with them and you make them laugh because like, you're not the only one. No. Let's have some fun. And if they're offended, okay. They're outsiders. Yeah, that away. makes it more important for you and me. This is more impactful for you and me. It's... I'm showing you you're not alone. And what is more human than connection and like not feeling alone and being together. Hmm. It's what we crave. Yeah. I, I think it's nuts. Like, and as a comedian too, like it's almost like that's the one time, like I always felt like, Oh, they're like the one person that gets to make the joke when everybody else is like, dude, you can't say that you're a doctor. <laughs> you know, you exactly. <laughs> but it's like, now people are like, dude, you can't say that you're a comedian. You're like, Huh? I thought that was I was the one person that could say it. <laughs> this is this is our art form, you know, it's poets can do poetry about it, you know what I mean? Musicians can write mm. songs about it. Mm. Like we can get on stage because we're doing it more bluntly and yeah. we're doing it with more of a voice. You feel like you have a, a strong well, hatred towards like... that opposed to a song or a poem or an art piece that's, you know, visual art that might be explaining the same. Like, come on, we're all doing art. Well, it's almost like if you laugh, you're telling a victim of that thing that you're laughing at, I don't care about you or I don't find your trouble, you know, moving or whatever. I'm going to make light of it. And it's like, it doesn't mean just because I made a joke doesn't mean I don't care. The way I see it is, <laughs> and this can, people can agree with this, we can disagree with this. It's, you know, let's take a break from that. Yeah. You deal with this every day, all the time. Let's take a break. Let's laugh and be happy. I'm not being insensitive to the horrible things that are happening to you or your people, or your family, or your friends, or your coworkers. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm trying to do something so that you can just be happy and laugh and enjoy something that's on that topic. Yeah. Like, cancer is horrible. You know what I mean? Cancer is a horrible thing. I would never wish cancer on anyone but if I can make a joke about cancer and a cancer victim's like, yup, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it impacts them. Hey, cool. 
I had this joke, and I, I just started doing it because, it, and it's so fresh. I, I might have done it like maybe two or three times on stage, and it is about like you know. Is what? it the can't hardly wait joke? <laughs> <laughs> can't buy me love, man. <laughs> no, it's based. The name of your album. Release it next week. We can record it in this garage. You're ready. You're ready. <laughs> Get your parents in here. That yeah. might be good crowd. Yeah, right? my dog. <laughs> No, but I was I was talking about this like you know what's worse than cancer the Make a Wish Foundation and then I go into all this like Make a Wish how it's stupid and how it's like really like you know just p- choose from a list and it it that's the thing it's like it's fresh so I'm getting some laughs but I know like I gotta definitely like you know iron some stuff out because it is it's like like I went over a few times and you're like oh. Like, you guys were with me at first with the cancer, but then, like, at some point, you're like, dude, now you're just going too far with this. Like, you can't, like, the first two jokes were cool, but now, like, the third one wasn't so so cool. And you're like, oh, okay. I gotta, like, you gotta, like, test the waters. And, it's and like, that's where we all learned uh, to find our limits, and that's where we all learned to find what's super funny. Um, someone can talk about rape for ten minutes, and that could be horrible. That's a horrible thing they're talking about. But, you know, a good joke, <laughs> not condoning it at all. I think it's horrible. I think it's... A killer rape joke, though. <laughs> but it's not a killer rape joke. Doing, no, one, no one dies in this rape joke. But, I mean, like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if you're going to do it, man, you got to really do it. And a lot of times when you're earlier in your career, you know, you don't know... You don't know what you can get away with, and you don't know what those limits are, and that's why you go out and you test it out, and you see what those limits are. So eventually, you know, maybe you can get to a point where if there's a really, really touchy subject, and you know how to create and structure and make the perfect—not the perfect, but a great joke out of that—that that will work and is appropriate, and that does tear that line where totally. everyone's having a good time. Hey, man, power to you! But it's—it's—it's it's, it's a hard thing to figure out when you're first starting out. Yeah, that's. I think that's the one thing because there's no manual. Like everybody's doing this, but everybody's on their own. It's almost like, you know, every comedian, you, you, you know, me and you, we have a rapport. We could definitely go off one another and go, Hey man, this worked. This didn't. How about you try this? How about you don't do that? But it's like, don't you can't hardly wait. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe do that like 10 years ago. (laughs) But that's the thing. It's like, but in the end, it's not your act. It's my act. It's I'm not like doing your act. You're doing your own act. It's like everybody's doing their own thing. So it's like no matter how much advice you can get from one other person or whatever, you're still like figuring this out on your own. Like no one has the same journey. No, one, I, yeah. I for I, so I just say like what what did you do to become famous? Like ah. My story is going to be completely different from this other guy. Like, I just was the best me I could be. Yeah. There, it comes yeah. down to that. You just got to be the best you can do. And I, I, I've i always wanted to um, write for Late Night. Writing for mm. Late Night has always been like a big dream of mine. And I asked another um, pretty established writer. I was like, hey, I just want to learn tips. Like, how did you make it? Like, I just want to know what I have to do. And he was like, you know what, man? Do everything you think you need to do. But my journey is not the journey that this other writer had and his journey is not the journey another writer had everyone has their own path and that's it's kind of scary because it's like there's no one way to do it you just gotta (laughs) you just gotta figure it out and do it and see what works for you like it comes down to 
right place, right time a lot of time. It comes into networking. Networking is huge a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It comes into talent. Like, totally, totally. It, it's, it, everything is a factor, and everything you do is a factor. You can't burn bridges. Um, don't just do it as a, a comic or as someone who's trying to gain professionally, but just as a person. Be nice to everyone. Mm. Treat people with respect. If there are people that you think need a break, help them out. Not because you think they can give you a break in the future. Just help them out because you want to be a good person. Yeah. Um, And when all those things kind of come together, you never know what can happen, but you were just trying to be the best you could be. And hey, I have full faith that, you know, it'll take us where we're supposed to be and hopefully where we're supposed to be is that sitcom or that late night spot or that amazing agent or that amazing, you know, manager or whatever it is. And I've even noticed too, like, it's like, it might not even be that. It might even be some sort of media that's like not even invented in five years, you know, but in five or 10 years it will be. And so it's like suddenly that medium or that. <laughs> but that like vehicle for whatever your comedy is, that will suddenly be, oh, okay, he has a web show or he has some sort of, you know, yeah, famous podcast or whatever it is. And I think that's what's so fun about comedy is that, like, it's so enveloping of everything. Like, you can do stuff on the web. We can do this stuff right now that we're doing right now. And then, in a beautiful age. Yeah, it's everything. Beautiful age. Yeah. You can literally, 30 years ago, the goal was to work clubs all across America and get a late night special on Comedy Central or HBO. Now... How many YouTube views can I get? No How kidding. How many Vine followers can I have? How many witty tweets can I come up with an hour? How yep. many retweets can I get? If you told a comic 30 years ago that was the game, they'd be like, what? The? No. Yeah. No. What are <laughs> yep. you doing? And then again, if you told a comic today who, you know, might be more in that social media vein of like knowing what's up, because I think it was a big part of it, or maybe they're doing acting and stand up or whatever, they'd be like, all right, but. Can't isn't there a different way? Like that's not that oh okay, but what? Like, you know? Yeah, it just goes back to that like Mitch Hedberg bit of like, you know, oh you're a good comedian, like what else do you do? Like, oh do you you're a chef, like can you farm? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> also, one quick point I just want to make. I know we're running kind of <laughs> crazy. Oh, yeah. Time. We're running late. Uh, sorry, guys, but uh, no uh, review. We'll just – I'm, I'm just going to put this up and, and just – it's just going to be a good interview between <laughs> – Wonderful. But one thing that I, I, I really um, – I don't want to say struggle with, but I always have to keep in mind is the game is definitely um, working smart and not working hard. Because when I first started out, I remember – I, and I still do do this, you know, from time to time, if not actually all the time. Um, but, you know, you go to a couple of mics every night. Um, you hustle it up. You do every show you can get, which I think is necessary. I think it is necessary to get as much stage time as humanly possible anywhere. Just get up in front of people and make them laugh. Um, but some people will grind so hard, and sometimes it will be at the same mics over and over and again to, to no one. And it, it, it's, it's part of the game. But they'll grind really, really hard. And we'll get frustrated because they're like, well, why aren't I famous yet? Or why don't I get booked at more shows? Yeah, I'm doing eight mics a week. What the hell? It's, it's, yeah, you're working hard, but you're not working smart. Like, oh, man, how come you got that spot at that club in, you know, Arizona? Like, I should be working that club. I should be featuring there. All right, dude. Have you, have you emailed the club? No. 
but I've been like doing open mics and these these shows locally, and I have a solid half hour. Cool, man. Have you hit up the club? Like, you, you have to work smart. What's your goal? Find what your goal is and take all the little baby steps to get there. Seinfeld said, you know, his goal was always to have his own sitcom. So everything he did funneled into that goal. If your goal is to be a road comic and you're frustrated because, like, you're not getting any road gigs, I understand that. I've been there, and that's really frustrating. But what are you doing to get road gigs? Are you hitting up clubs? I've driven... Four, six, eight, ten, twelve hours. I've driven more than that, like twenty hours, to do shows where I'm not getting paid. Where you're getting a guest set at a club, you're eating up all that gas money. You're sleeping in your car. You're barely making enough gas to get home. You're freaking out. You're sleeping at rest stops because if I do a guest slot here and I do really well, I can MC in six months. Maybe in two years, I can feature. Maybe in five years, I'll have a TV credit, and I'll have that in that can allow me to headline. You need to work smart. You need to do what you feel is the best thing for your goals. And if you don't know your goals, that's fine. We're all trying to figure this out. But what do you want to do? Where do you want to be? Find what that is and really intelligently think, well, how can I get there? If I want to be on TV and get a late-night spot... How do you do that? Do I need a rep? Do I need an agent? Like, who is the casting director? Like, who, you know, what do they typically look for? Do they want all clean? Well, I only work dirty. All right. First step, write a clean joke. Write a clean minute. Hopefully, you know, you can write more and that turns into a clean five. Refine it. Write more. That'll turn into, you know, every little thing you do is should be working towards something. And if it's not... Not to say your work is being wasted, but you're just working really hard and it may not go anywhere. That's why I always like to do this podcast, like, in a nutshell, is like, in a weird way, it's like a cyclical thing where the podcast, me putting out sets, me critiquing them, is like forcing me to go out and do sets because I'm going to need to, I need to make material for my podcast. And once I get the material for the podcast, it's just wanting me to go out and do more sets just that much more. It's like just one feeds the other. Mm-hmm. And in a weird way, like not saying that I wouldn't be able to do it without the podcast, but it it's almost like this keeps you in check. It's yeah. And it's like it gives me like a motivation in a way of like keeping something that's like somewhat regular, something that has a deadline. You know, it's almost like I got to do this. Because there needs to be an episode every Saturday or whatever, you know? It's, like, weird. And it, and I don't know. Like, in the end, I, I guess we should wrap this up. This has gotten on a little long. <laughs> We're at hour 20. Jesus. I will cut some of this out. <laughs> no, no, no. No, put, that, put this in it. Every word. Every, this whole thing. Just. All right, I will, but we should wrap this up. This is up. what? A Breaking Bad? You can watch, you can rewatch The Fly or listen to listen to this. Listen to this. <laughs> you're, you're sacrificing three episodes of Arrested Development. You've already seen the whole series four times. You can do this is little this is a quarter of WWE Raw. Totally. Totally. <laughs> you can skip Fandango, all right, for this match. We all know Goldust is going to win. Nice. Well, we should definitely get into your love of wrestling on another podcast. (laughs) Four hours later. 
But I will thank uh, Eric Esquire for coming on and definitely sharing all of his wisdom that he has been, uh, I guess, experiencing and going through on these uh, past six years of his uh, comic life journey. Uh, It's been cool to see him because, yeah, I remember when he was telling me uh, way back when, like, hey, I'm going to do this thing called stand-up. And I was like, this is cool. Not for me. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, like... To see him now, like you're definitely like somewhere where I envy, and and we're it's all, we're all hustling, we're all working, and it's it's a journey for us all, man. But I like to see that you are still grounded. It's like no matter how much successful or success you get, like you're still like, yeah, I'll talk to you. I'll I'll go on a podcast and talk, you know, talk some stupid shit in a garage with you. Like I'll let no you problem. Buy me beer at my parents' house. <laughs> Thanks, man. Good closer. Cut it there. Cut it there. <laughs> But it is like, like I, I'd like to see like people grounded, like no matter how much it is, like maybe I don't know. In four years, you'll be like, who the fuck is D. Williams? <laughs> but I hope hope that you don't say that. But it is good to see that, uh, you know, no matter how cool and how uh, far you get, it's still sweet to like hang out with you and to just say like, hey man, this guy thinks like you know I'm all right. <laughs> and I, I appreciate. The stroke fest, but um, <laughs> I, you know, and, and now likewise, one zip. Yeah. Um, but likewise, man, um, you know, you've we, we started together. You know what I mean? Um, we knew each other before comedy, and I think the fact that our lives have um, crossed in this arena is super exciting. Um, I wish you the best in comedy for sure. We're still gonna sure. hang out. I wish you the best with this amazing podcast. Tune in, guys. Subscribe. <laughs> and um, hey, man, great things are gonna happen. Can't buy me love. Cool. And on that note, guys, definitely tune in next week, and uh, I'll put up all the links for uh, Eric if uh, you guys want to check out his comedy. He has a few things on YouTube as well as uh, I'm sure all of his social media is blowing up. But uh, definitely go to This Comics Life uh, Facebook, and it'll be all there. And uh, check us out next week. Uh, I'll have some more open mics and who knows what. But uh, thanks for tuning in, and peace out. I got a pee, man. I got a pee. <laughs>